Welcome to the Logistics of Logistics, a podcast dedicated to exploring how things get places and the people who get them there. We'll talk with logistics and supply chain leaders about innovation, industry trends, and the future of the logistics business. Now, here's your host, Joe Lynch. Hello, friends. Welcome to the Logistics of Logistics podcast. My name is Joe Lynch. Thank you so much for joining us today. Today's topic is the voice of third-party logistics with my friend, Ann Renke. How's it going, Ann? Great. Thank you for having me, Joe. I appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you. I'm very excited to get started. And before we do, though, please introduce yourself and your company. Sure. So I'm Ann Renke, President and CEO of the Transportation Intermediaries Association. We'll call it TIA. So uh, we won't tongue twist ourselves. And we are the voice of the third party logistics industry. Right. So say that one more time. Transportation Intermediaries Association. Yes. That's right. I can do transportation association like that. (laughs) Just when you put the uh, intermediaries in there. I know. There's something about the R. It's hard for, it's tricky. It's it's a a tricky word. You don't use that word anywhere else, but TIA. Not really. Everybody knows TIA. And if you don't, you're going to after this podcast. (laughs) So who does TIA, who do you and TIA serve? Well, we serve the smallest to the biggest broker, third-party logistics professional. So it could be a small one-person operation. It could be a multi-billion dollar brokerage. We represent all levels and all entities in between. We have about 1,700 members. And essentially, our mission is to provide the best in class for our members in a variety of ways through resources, education, networking, advocacy, et cetera. Nice, nice. Where's TIA based? We are in Alexandria, Virginia. That's actually where I live as well. So I have a seven-minute commute to my office every day. Uh, oh my God! You have an office. That's life. fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> that's 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 so old-fashioned. So you get up and go somewhere every morning. I get up and go somewhere. Actually, it's funny you say that because we just brought everyone back last week, and we're doing a hybrid approach where it's three days in the office, two days telework, and I think people are pretty happy with that. There used to be no telework prior to the pandemic, but obviously the pandemic showed us all that telework is achievable. (laughs) Right. So I I wish we could get a, 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 maybe you just pick up your camera and show the, uh, your office. I want to see if people are walking around in robes and t-shirts. <laughs> oh, no, we're just in my office, so there's really nothing to see here. But uh, no, people are dressed in business casual, I would say. <laughs> no one's in their sweatpants or pajamas. No, um, no cats, cats and dogs, <laughs> kids wandering around. <laughs> uh, you got know a, what? We got, a, that, we got a dog, so everyone just felt at home. <laughs> I tell you what, though, it is humanizing. I mean, one of the most fascinating things about this pandemic is really seeing people where they are and how they live, right? I mean, having a kid climb on your, your lap or having watching your colleague have a kid climb on their lap, right. I mean, it's just humanizing. It kind of makes you... Right get over the social isolation when you realize that they've got some things going at home. You know, I started working in the 80s, early 80s, and I always think that uh, at that time, it was really, you would talk at the water cooler or whatever, the pop machine, soda machine, about, you know, my life and what we're doing. And you're, you're kind of friendly with people, but it did feel like it was not an appropriate topic to bring up family. And boy, over this last year, you're like, I do a lot of podcasts. And there are a lot of times people are like, Hang on, 
my kid's crying. <laughs> I cut most of it out. <laughs> anyway. Well, and I think too, I mean, that's the other thing, which is you want to have a balance. And if again, if the pandemic has taught us anything, we don't want to be completely unbalanced on the one end, but there should be some appropriate balance where you don't feel like right. you don't see your kids or you don't have dinner with your family or you don't get to walk your dog or, or, right. or whatever it is for you. Right, right. So speaking of the pandemic and what we were just talking about, this VUCA environment, volatility, yes. uncertainty, complexity, and ambiguity, big, big changes are happening in, um, in the third party logistics space in freight brokerage. And so, um, I know that's kind of the, your business. You help people navigate these new markets, whatever they might be. So sure. talk about what the, the problems you see for, the small guys, you know, starting out the real entrepreneurial, you know, bootstrapping thing. And then the medium sized company been around for a while. And then the large companies. And let's talk about what you do for each one. Well, the biggest problems they face. And then let's talk about, um, how you help them solve those problems. So sure. first talk about the small guy. Well, so the small guy, um, is a large percentage of our, of our association. Um, are the small guys, those that may be one person operation that may have just started that are new entrants. They just got their license with FMCSA and they have a phone and they have a desk and they don't know anything else. And so what we provide in a couple of different ways, uh, we brought, provide new broker success packages, for example. So people who literally know that they have to use a phone and they probably need a computer, but that's it. Here, here's some best practices for you, how you get started. Here are some technological solutions that you may not know about. And here's how, not just how you broker a load, but how you get people coming back to you. Because ultimately, when you're trying to grow a business, you can do one thing once, but the right. trick to business is have return customers and then get word of mouth or what have you where people actually want to come back to you. So that's sort of the education component for the new brokers is A, education, learning, best practices, et cetera. And, and B, how, how do you, what kind of resources are out there right. so that you can have transparency into, okay, how do I, how do I even get, what's the load board? How do I even get into that? What is that, you know, how does that process exist? So we provide yeah. that solution set for yeah. our smaller members. And, and, and I've, I've had some dealings with TIA in the past. And I also know that like, a lot of small guys end up partnering, you know, being associated with some larger broker or large, larger carrier. And I know networks, we'll probably hit on that later, but networking is part of it. And I always think, you know, when I talk to small guys, I always say, man, partner up. You know, you, you don't want to have to buy that technology. Find somebody who's got it, who wants to offer it to you. And, uh, you know, and there's all these people said, look, I'm looking for agents. I'm looking for people to sell this stuff for me. So you can be your own business and, and have a, a big brother, big sister help you out. <laughs> well, the, and that's exactly right. Our members are, because they are so entrepreneurial, most of them have been there, right? And so they don't mind sharing what they know. 
and they don't mind sharing sort of the pitfalls and then where you can really enhance your business. And yeah, there's sometimes there is these sort of strategic partnerships, which really help them out because if you're trying to scale up, there are any number of things that have happened, but most of those things that have happened have happened to someone of our members before. Right. There's not a whole lot of new ground that, that we haven't tried here. So that's sort of our small members. When we think about our medium sized members, those guys have scaled up some, but they want to get to the next level. How do they do that? Well, maybe it's that they haven't really paid attention to what kind of services TIA provides, like a model contract, for example. Maybe they're trying to get an RFP because they're now scaling up, right? So, but they need to get an RFP for the technology they haven't used yet. They want to, let's say they want to modify billing so it makes their customers come back to it easier right. because they can have automated billing. They get paid faster on both ends. It just is a seamless solution. So they want to do an RFP. Well, we have model contracts. We have education that provides them right. how you can construct the right RFP for you. And then, you know, we have things like Watchdog, which tells them, all right, who are the carriers we want to use, which ones we want to avoid, what, 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 who are the best in the business. I mean, that's our name is, is synonymous with ethics being the best in the business. So how do you, how do you make sure we have a good um, right. track record on that? So that's sort of our, um, Th- our medium-sized guys. Yep. Before I forget, you know, I, Ann, I told you I was out of the office for a while. I went on a little v- vacation and I was sick for a few days. And now I don't know how to do podcasts. Um, I meant to ask you, um, wh- where did you grow up and where did you go to school? Tell us a little bit about your background before you okay. jumped in. I normally right. like to get sure. that up front, but. Oh, that's okay. Um, I can talk about anything you want, Joe. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever you want. Um, well, so I grew up actually outside of Washington, D.C. in Bethesda, Maryland, and um, I went to school at Rice University, and then I went to law school Very at Wake nice. Forest, wow. and I briefly thought I wanted to be a lawyer and or a politician, and now I'm neither, which goes to show you, I tried, I dabbled, I didn't like it, I, I did practice law ever so briefly, but then I went into advocacy because, you know, advocacy is sort of a subset of, of being a lawyer, you have to advocate for your client, here you have to advocate for an issue. Uh, it's kind of a subset of being a salesman too. Um, it's just ma- doing it in a policy perspective as, as opposed to a product. So you're advocating for a whole industry. Right. And I loved it. I really liked being out there. I like talking to people. I like, um, I'm not a, I don't lecture at people. So I think people liked me because I didn't just drone on and on. Uh, not to criticize any lobbying tactics, but some people do. Right talk more than well, I, listen. by the way i drone <laughs> on and on on this podcast so <laughs> i don't think there's anything wrong with it <laughs> that's what i'm telling myself yeah right I, you know sometimes people want to hear a lot i don't know i just uh, uh but i i enjoyed it i worked at csx for 16 years in their government affairs office i led the team uh for the last eight or nine years i can't even remember now um i got an opportunity to work at the u.s department of transportation and I had never worked for the federal government. So I thought, well, let me just see how that goes. I've never done it. I'm not a government gal, but it's certainly an incredible education. Uh, I appreciated learning it. I, I knew that an election was coming up. You probably heard about it last year. There was an election and <laughs> there were a lot of strong views on it. So I thought, well, let me look for another opportunity because I, I felt like the election would probably go a certain way. And it turned out I was right, although we didn't all agree on that for a while. Um, <laughs> and uh, so I, I saw this this opportunity with TIA and I thought, well, gosh, this sounds like a pragmatic, practical group of people who just want to provide solutions for their customers. I'm into it. 
And so the rest is history. So, Here I am. So, so, so why did, I mean, you had lots of options, obviously. Why did you just decide to join TIA of all the opportunities out there? Well, so, you know, I've been in a corporate environment for many years and I, I was, the corporate environment is delightful. I, many parts of it is delightful. I am not anti-corporation. But there is a little bit of unsteadiness nowadays with um, the stock market. There's a lot of hedge fund activity in many corporations, publicly traded corporations. And in fact, that happened to CSX. And so it just makes it sometimes for a destabilizing environment. So I, I was looking for something outside of that corporate, um, yep. you know, uh, career. And I thought, well, I'd really love to head up an association in the transportation space, because that's my background, but I, it, it, I wasn't necessarily tethered to a particular subset of issues, but I knew I liked right. things that made sense, that people needed, that people understood. Right. Um, and TIA, I just happened to see that they were looking for a new leader. So there you have Perfect. it. I said, all right, well, I'm going to try. We, I'm going to go for it. Well, you picked a big, you picked one of the bigger and better ones. That's for sure. So yeah. interesting background. So, um, Getting back to it, TIA is the the voice of third party logistics, <laughs> like the Ohio State, as you pointed like the out. The Ohio State, I know yeah. that probably killed you as a Wolverine. You probably are gonna have to wash yeah. your mouth out with soap. Exactly. <laughs> no, they can call themselves that. I again, I gotta have to put up with whatever the Buckeyes want. They've been killing us in football for the last like twenty years now. Is Harbaugh we, still the coach? Yes, he is. Although we are the we're basketball school now, you know, yeah. we we beat them in basketball, and it's funny because there's all these sports. I'm, I live like 25 minutes from Ann Arbor, and then you're like, oh, we beat them at field hockey or softball or baseball. You're like, none of it matters. <laughs> it's got to be football. I don't. None of they they wouldn't care either. Like they go, yeah, we beat Michigan and everything, but football close the school. Right. <laughs> anyway, um, so you guys are that voice, and again, you talked about being advocacy and helping companies out. And for the small guys, it's all about this education, helping them scale, helping them build a business, helping them stay in business, helping them partner up. So what about, and by the way, when you say small, what is that from from zero to what? I guess we think about that zero to say 50 million in revenue. And then you got your 50 to call it $200 million in revenue and then 200 million on a, I think that's how, and it's sort of artificial. And I think if you know, depending right. on the day, we might change it. But that's let's call it generally directionally correct. And so, so our biggest guys, I think that's what you're going to ask me, Joe. I'm anticipating you. Well, what, what did you hear? What, what about the middle guys? The fifty <laughs> to two hundred million. We just, we just talked about the middle guys. That's a more bit. the service. That's really where you have your services. And and I will add one thing: we're rebooting what we call the Leadership Academy. We tried it. Uh, right before the pandemic, we did the best we could um, with that. Obviously, it became a virtual leadership academy. We're going to reboot it. Um, and that really is targeting those who are the mid-sized companies and the, probably in the mid-career, kind of an executive MBA style. Oh, I love it. Of, yeah, I agree. I think it, it provides leadership skill sets. So it's not just about the business, although that's obviously a key component, but it's about leadership, how you can mold a team how you can become a leader of a very in a very volatile time to go back to your VUCA 
word, which I'm going to start using all the time. And um, I, I wish I invented it. <laughs> <laughs> and how how you can grow a team, how you can grow your business when there's so much out there, so much competition out there. Um, and, and and part of the the strategy behind it is providing people of like minds, people who are similarly situated in their careers and ability to develop these friendships that we hope can become like the next iteration of leaders in, in the three PL space. Right. Right. And you know, um, when we talk about VUCA again, it's, it's a, it's a great acronym for what's going on. And I think in a lot of ways you could look at uh, freight brokerage or third party logistics or almost anything within third party logistics and say, um, it wasn't ever steady state. There's always was change year over year. But to with with the pandemic and with the entry of what I'll call uh the tech guys, uh, you know, with all the VC money starting up the uh the digital freight brokers and all the other things, very disruptive. And then you have the very large companies that are buying up uh, a lot of the small. This has to be one of the most uh volatile uncertain <laughs> um complex and ambiguous ambiguous markets ever so we are in vuca times and I, you need yeah i'm not just saying this cuz you're a tia you need to be able to go somewhere where there's other people going through the same thing and exactly. with people who go i can help you get through this throw right. your life throw your lifeline <laughs> Well, and that, you know, they say that the disrupted cycles that we're in, you know, the VUCA times is really when brokers, uh, that's their time to shine because they do have a way of magnifying capacity. They do have these relationships, which provide kind of them pulling capacity out of a rap, like, like a, a capacity rabbit out of a hat, right? They are able to do that because they've been here before. Right. And in fact, shippers, as you talked about from your own career, shippers aren't interested in transportation. They don't even, they don't want to get involved in it. They don't want to be in it. They, they right. understand it's complicated. They would rather rely on someone like our guys who can access of the 500,000 for example, motor carriers in the space, we can access them because we've used them before or we know who they are or we have had experience. And so we're sort of, we're allowing them to find capacity where capacity is really, really constrained. So that's the the wonderful thing in a sense about these times. Right. Now, as you said, there is a, there's a lot of compression, the capacity is constrained that there's a labor shortage. There's any number of things going right. on. Right, margin compression. Even, yes. I would also say this, in VUCA times, traditionally, freight brokers would step up, except now some of the freight brokers are saying, we're the ones being uh, pursued now with margin compression, with the you know technologies coming in. And again, I think that's why it, it makes m more sense than ever to say, look, we're going to go somewhere where somebody's got a, a different perspective, but understands our business well enough that maybe we get some guidance. And I'll tell you, it's one thing to bump into somebody at a cocktail party at, at TIA and say, what are you guys doing? As opposed to just picking up the phone and saying, yeah, sure. I, hi, uh, you don't know me, but I'm wondering, what are you doing to save what your business? What are you business? doing to help you? Yeah. <laughs> right. Well, so, I mean, that's, that's the other thing. Well, I'm sorry. Go ahead, Joe. I'll, otherwise, I'll just start yammering. <laughs> no. So, what, so we talked a little bit about the small guys. Again, that's education, how to build, how to scale. The... 50 to 200 million, those guys, you're really just providing services like that. Um, what'd you call it? What was that? Model contracts, for example, TIA watchdog, TIA bond, yep. things like that. 
Yep. And so what about the biggest guys? They they have all that stuff. Right. What do you yes, do for them? They're scaled. They largely don't necessarily need education because they may have education departments themselves. Um, what they need from us besides networking, which I would say all of our members need. Yes. Yep. Uh, and we'll get to that in a second is they need advocacy. And as I mentioned at the beginning, you know, 80% of our members are small businesses and, and are um, really prevailing on us for the education and for the, the networking and, and for some of the services. The big guys don't need that, but they also want to have, be part of that story because it's a great American story. The small business guy trying to right. provide solution sets for a critical, vital part of the economy. And there are any number of bad ideas out there. Joe, as you know, um, any number of members of Congress and regulators who have those espouse those bad ideas. And, and we've got to be out there educating because for God's sakes, 535 members don't have the time to figure out what exactly a broker does, what their critical role is. I mean, we talked to a member of Congress yesterday who really didn't have any idea what we did and, and was predisposed to think negatively about us. And so we said, here's a couple of things that you may not know. Here's a couple of things that we need to right. do. And and that helps the big guys in the way too, because they're part of this, the story of we are trying to build solutions for America. Please do not try right. to hurt us either intentionally or unintentionally. That's why we need that advocacy. Oh, and by the way, you should also tell the member of Congress that most of us have a negative perspective of them too. <laughs> but, I didn't want to hit it right where it hurts. <laughs> right. But ser but seriously, when I think about like the ELD mandate and um, hours of service and all that stuff, they kind of hit over time. And I, I was uh, very uh, deep into the Food Safety Modernization Act out of the FDA. Oh, really? Um. A lot of those things, I do know they reach out and they want to talk to uh, the industry before they finalize these acts or laws. And I think that there is an important piece that we need to, our, our voice to be magnified through one central place. It was Beth Bethesda. <laughs> so. Yeah. Well, I mean, and the thing is, too, you cannot be there at the end of the process because it's too late, by and large. They right. may have been predisposed to make a determination that with without you, and so you got to be there at the beginning. And and how you do that? Well, there are any number of ways. You you build right. relationships over time. You try to expose, you know, the the congressional staff. We had a brokerage one hundred and one uh, earlier this year, which we had not done before, and and that really says, all right, here, guys, you you have these important issues in your portfolios. Here's what you need to know, and right. also provides a face to the name, right? So. Yep. It's interesting. Um, I remember when ACA came around, I was, I still worked with a lot of transportation logistics, uh, companies. And I remember a lot of them said, Oh, yeah, you know, because ACA said if you had, that's the Obamacare for, uh, right. Yes. 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 Obamacare. So if you had more than 50 employees, you were subject to Obamacare. So, um, I know like warehouses and said, Oh, we have, uh, 48 employees. And, uh, and I was like, how do you run this? And they go, with like 30 temps a day. <laughs> and I was like, so it was, there's these people who are making workarounds because they didn't. And I remember the guy said, it's not like I don't want to provide healthcare. It's just when you get 50 employees and now you're subject to ACA, you have to hire a benefits manager. You just can't get it done right. easily without it. And I think that's the kind of thing that they need to hear is, you know, you have your mandates, you want to do certain things, but understand how it really looks when it hits the business. 
Yeah. And it's so interesting to me. It's almost like they're perplexed that <laughs> about these unintended consequences. People are right. going to act in their self-interest. I mean, for God's sakes, of course they are. So yeah, if you pass something because you philosophically think it's the right thing to do, don't right. be surprised when people try to figure out ways to actually make it work for them or to try to avoid it if they have to. You know, I mean, right. we are all not all it's not about being pure of heart. It's how do you sustain your business? Right. And I think you know, when I went to college, I remember the college I was at, my professor said that he, we talked about the, uh, the law of un unintended consequences. And he told us that, that, that the government created it. They, they, they invented it. And to they some did. extent they did they really because did. when you create these laws, again, most of the, and I will even say this, I know that I'm not an expert in it, but when ELD came out, I was like, oh my God, this is difficult. And I do feel the hours of service is a difficult thing to manage. And I really want the guys to have the right thing and the right flexibility. Yeah, sure. but, I, but, but I think one of the things that's interesting about ELD is it kind of pushed us further into visibility, further into, yeah. into this digital place that we all want to go. So I don't know that it's perfect yet, but I think they're going to tweak it. So <laughs> we'll get there. Yes. Nothing is ever perfect. But yeah, I think transparency around where your shipment is. God bless. After the pandemic. Where's that's my exactly, stuff? Yeah. Where is it? Where's my stuff? <laughs> yep. So we talked about um, what you guys do for small business and then the medium-sized business. And then the largest, the really this advocacy to make sure their voice is heard in Washington. And then um, you, and you started to talk about networking. I know that's networking is for everybody, but talk about that a little bit. Sure. So networking, I would say, I think I told you is the fourth leg of our stool. So uh, with the pandemic, we had a leg that was missing. Now you can still have a stool with three <laughs> legs. So it was still upright. The association was still viable. Um, but what our networking provides is an opportunity for people to get together. And, you know, there's really no, there's no replacement. Zoom does not replace uh, an in-person contact. Right. It just doesn't. And so, you know, what, what we were known for and what we will again be known for is, is providing a forum for the best in the business to talk to people who are small, medium, and large, to talk to technology vendors who they may not know yet know about or who are offering a different solution that they hadn't thought about, um, and the best educational content to think about a, a problem in a different way. And so, yes, last year we did not have that kind of opportunity. We did two, since I've been here, we've done two virtual um meetings and they're they're not bad they're actually okay and we had a pretty good one in april um sorry may but they don't replace right. the magic of the in person so fortunately we are the latter half of the year having two in person events that we can talk about but um right. I, I, our members are chomping at the bit and i you know this people are just delighted to leave their homes and to get out back, get out back there and travel again and to to be in the land of the living. Oh, you know what? Funny you should mention that. So I was out your way. I went out to Baltimore weekend before last. And I was like, hallelujah. I never thought I'd get on a plane again. <laughs> Here I am out in Baltimore Harbor with my, my daughter and her friends. And it was a blast. And then I got this horrible cold. And I was like, uh -huh. maybe I'm not meant to travel anymore. I just have to stay at my house. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll tell you, I mean, you know, we're not going to get into a debate about masking or not masking, but I guess sometimes people say that the cold season was less uh, volatile because I did not have a cold. I mean, I had a cold in years and I had <laughs> right? one, but yeah. 
So why don't you wrap this up? Why don't you to give us a, your, a summary and a final thoughts on what, what you guys do over at TIA? Sure. Well, I think we're kind of at this pivotal moment um, at TIA where we want to be part of the conversation and the resident experts about the supply chain. I've started coining this phrase saying we're the center of the supply chain. And we want to be a, a resource, not just... Yes, think pretty highly of yourself over there. I know, right? Gosh, <laughs> pat ourselves in the back, huh? No, you guys really um, are, though. But but in, in in fairness, I think that, that it, it, it's actually a good summary of what we do, which is we're the ultimate connector. And so it is incumbent on us for our members to make sure that that message is conveyed to the high hills. And so it's not just the advocacy that we do, which is critical, but it's also in the marketplace of ideas and the marketplace of, of who is out there who speaks for us. We want to be part of the conversation. And so, again, the pandemic put into visibility for everyone Oh, there's someone actually who's part of the toilet paper chain <laughs> that I that I need, right? <laughs> and you know, who you don't want to, to waste a good crisis, as they say. So we really are are looking towards how do we make sure that we capture this moment? How do we make sure that we really are there for our members so that they can take advantage of all the the you know goodwill in some cases right. that has been generated out there and, and really um, provide continuous solutions. Now you mentioned to us, to me, something about technology um, potentially being a threat for, for long-term success. And, and I, I will give you this, the digitization of, of freight is something that we're obviously very concerned about. However, I think what, what we're looking at is trying to be a holistic solution for for our customers so that we're not just totally relying on, okay, we're going to broker this one load for right. you. We want to be kind of a service provider in a variety of ways. You know, and we talked about automated billing. We're talking about visibility of, of, of where their loads are. It's any number of things that provide them um, a reason to use us and to right. make it easy to use us. That, that brings a good up a good point. So there's a lot of people, I'd like to think a lot of people listening to my podcast who sell uh, technology. And they say, look, I'm trying to connect with transportation logistics guys. I'm going to take them to the next level. Um, are a lot of those companies part of TIA also? Yeah, they are. They're what we call associate members. And so those associate members join TIA because we provide them access to the membership who they would say, those are the people we want to talk it, to. You're right? their CRM. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And, and it makes sense because if they provide a solution that actually is viable and, and, and attractive, why wouldn't we want them to meet with our membership? And why wouldn't right. we, we, we want to provide that additional resources for the membership? I mean, we, I, I'm saying cradle to grave. I don't mean it like we're from babies to death, but what I mean is we want to be the resource for all levels of our, of our membership from the smallest to the biggest. That makes sense. And again, I think that this is a time, you know, we all, well, we all hear this, uh, you need to work on your business, not in your business. And I think this TIA gives you the ability to kind of step back, get out of your own day to day environment, hear what other people are doing, hear what the industry uh, experts have to say, hear what TIA's reports say, what the, what their, uh, what their speakers say and go, yes. Fresh perspective. Here's what I need to do. Yeah. Uh, here, here, here's how I need to survive. And again, this is, this is a crazy time. And I think there's, you know, 
there's um you know some real challenges if especially if you're small, medium, large, it doesn't matter with the tech guys coming in. But I also think that there's some big opportunities. And when we were prepping offline, I used the term, um, you know, I wrote an article years ago called Tech uh, Freight Brokers versus the Techies. And I think in that I called um, the th third party guys and uh, freight brokers cockroaches, not in a negative way, but in a positive way in that they'll be here after we're all gone. So when people say, yeah, they're, you know, won't need that anymore. We have technology. Hmm. Freight brokers aren't going anywhere. They're they're just gonna they're gonna morph. <laughs> yeah, I think so. I mean, as I said, our industry is entrepreneurial, so we we will figure a way out to optimize right our business and our solutions. I'm going to give you a plug, Joe. I know you asked for it. So, <laughs> <laughs> first of all, the, the uh, first quarter market report is out. If you are not a member and want to subscribe, let us know. The market report basically provides data of, of your peers. So if you're interested in how your peers are doing and how they're faring during 2021, this, this is the data set that you need. We have an economist who compiles it along with data from our various vendors. It is a terrific resource. Um, second of all, we have two meetings coming up in person, although there is a hybrid option policy fly-in in September, September 28th to 29th, where we talk to those big, bad members of Congress about our various issues. And then we have our technology-focused conference in October in San Antonio called 3PL Extend, where we do get those, sort of those technology vendors to kind of, all right, tell us what's next. Tell us what we need to do. Wait, that's San Antonio when? October 20th and 21st. Well, I just had the guys on from um, uh, the Greater San Marcos uh, Partnership. I love San Marcos. I love San Marcos. I've never been, but it, it's it is. It's a beautiful town. I just interviewed um, uh, the president of that organization. And what's interesting is, you know, that Texas is such a big market for everybody in our, our business. And that Texas Triangle from Dallas-Fort Worth down to Houston at the port and then over to San Antonio, which is right by Austin, which is right, right between us, yeah. San Marcos. It is, and then back up to Dallas-Fort Worth. It is a crazy, crazy big space. Oh, I know. And I'll tell you, the number of people leaving, very, fleeing various states to go to Texas is crazy, right? I mean, I joke about that to all everyone. It's like, do I have to move? I kind of, I'm, <laughs> I'm a pale face. I can't live in Texas in the summer. I love the be idea of being there in the winter. And they always go, oh, we have winter. No. You don't, <laughs> but yeah, um, not, not compared to us Northwestern or Midwestern Northeast people. But anyway, um, yeah, so that's fantastic. So you'll be in San Antonio, what days? 20th and 21st. Of September. It'll be lovely. It'll it be lovely. Be. It'll provide, and I'll tell you, as I said to you before we, we started uh, recording, our, our members are chomping at the bit and we've, we, we get it. I mean, we are, we are a relationship based industry who prevails upon technology, obviously, but we really like to be together and learn from one another. And so right. it's fabulous. We've been deprived and, for 18 months. <laughs> right. And so um, talk about, I mean, you, so you talked about two upcoming conferences. What else do you, can you, what else can you plug while you're here? <laughs> well, I plugged, let's see, the Leadership Academy, our market report, the two upcoming conferences. I, I mean, this is huge. So what is the uh, Leadership Academy? Well, the Leadership, yeah, it's, we are rebooting it as we speak. And so we're developing the curriculum. We did it last, I think it was 2019 into 2020. So right in the middle of the pandemic hit. Um, and, and we, we want to think about it in a different way. We, 
want to think about it in a way of, all right, how, if we do have this executive MBA style program, what would be the most beneficial for those mid-level folk for their careers? Not just to get together, which is obviously a key component. Right. Of it, but, but the leadership aspect of it is, is something we really stress. And, you know, there are any number of books on leadership, but it's helpful to have coaching on it, I think. I mean, God, we can all benefit from coaching on leadership right. about how you, you put the team first as opposed to yourself. Right. In an, in a, separate apart from everything you need to learn about your business and how to grow it. Yeah. And when you talk about leadership, you're also talking about sales. I mean, it's one in the same. If you become a great leader, you become a great sales sales leader. That's the Yeah. That's I mean, cool having thing. a compelling vision where you believe in your team and they believe in you and they know that you're protect in a way protecting them. You're not trying to infantilize them, right? Or make them right. seem like they're childlike, but really that they understand that you support them and that you want the best for them. I think that is such a key component for growth of a culture, of a business, all of the above. Excellent. So what I'll do is I'll put a link to your LinkedIn profile in the show notes. I also put a link to all of those, uh, Upcoming conferences, yeah, some do. in person, believe it or not. <laughs> Hallelujah. It's been a long time since Hallelujah. I've done <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. And it's funny because everyone's like, I can't wait to go. I can't wait to go. And I bet in a, like a month you'll go, is that it? Is that the only people signed up? <laughs> yeah. They better be, they better be everybody. Come on. Right. Yeah. And yeah. And, and you know, the nice thing about go is you're like, yeah, wait, people will be looking up. Do I have to wear a mask in Texas? How, how bad will it be yeah. in Texas? <laughs> so. You don't have to wear a mask in Texas. <laughs> yeah, you never had to wear a mask. I'm just talking my my son-in-law was down there. And he's like, right in the middle of the pandemic, he's in uh, Portland. He's like, we got to wear masks everywhere here. And he goes, go down. He goes, I'm going to the bar with my friends. He's like, well, I guess Texas decided not to have a pandemic. <laughs> they didn't have it down there. It's great. It worked out. <laughs> it's too damn dry. <laughs> so... <laughs> anyway, and it's been my pleasure um, Joe, interviewing you. Thank you so much. Thank, Thank you. you so much. Thank you. I'm hoping you feel better. I'm sorry about your summer cold. Oh, I'm. Yeah, that's the worst time to get a cold. But I didn't yeah. want. But anyway, yeah, I'm on the mend. Thank you so much, and uh, thank all of you for listening to my podcast. Your support's very much appreciated. Until next time, onward and upward. You've been listening to the Logistics of Logistics podcast, where we engage in conversation with experts in the logistics field. For more details, visit thelogisticsoflogistics.com or follow Joe Lynch on LinkedIn.